1 to 5 as well as the background to Philippians. Um, and in that, we, we picked up on some themes of the book, uh, like seeking to do all for the glory of Christ and so forth. Um, but here we're going to be reading uh, verses 6 to 11. So I'll read through 6 to 11. Oh. Sorry. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you all in my hearts. Um, sorry, because I hold you all in my hearts, for you're all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affections of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that you, your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So we must remember uh, Paul's current circumstance. He is in prison for Christ, for proclaiming his gospel and all that comes with the message, such as repentance and a new birth, wherein a sinner denounces his or her old life and runs to Christ, in hopes that they will find forgiveness of their transgressions against God's eternal throne. In Paul's imprisonment, he is not languishing in sorrow, but is rejoicing in the fact that he is suffering for Christ. Well, that is his joy. It is not his only joy, as the Philippians are a faithful congregation and offer Paul encouragement as they grow in their love and devotion to God. So with this in mind, let's get into the text. We may begin with, and I am sure of this, when Paul says this, we are able to see that his coming point is one of great importance, that he believes to be true, and not only what he believes to be true, but also something that he has great confidence in. If we today are to believe in the inerrancy and sufficiency of Scripture, we must hold, we must now contend with and accept the coming point he is going to make, regardless of our own preconceived notions or whether or not our personal feelings may contradict this what this passage is teaching, whether our parents have taught it to us or not, we must hold scripture above all things. We move on to this statement, which is that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all. In this verse, he is communicating to believers, believers as a whole and the Philippian church that they are, they may have assurance of their salvation that God will bring the salvific work he has started in them to completion. This meaning that for his children, they may not fall away from salvation, but instead will persevere till glory. He will also sanctify them in the process. No amount of persecution, doubt, sin, nor any other worldly force may tear you away from Christ, as he has already paid for your sins. Is Christ not the perfect savior he claims to be? Can God's eternal decrees be thwarted by the creature, that which he has made? John 6, verses 37 to 40 reads, All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and whomever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given to me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. He 
is not only making a point about our assurance of salvation, but also speaking about the work of the Spirit within our lives to steadily grow us in holiness and be conformed to the likeness of Christ. While on earth, with the final completion of this work in glory, this is what it means when he says, bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What is growing in holiness, you may ask? It is the growth of a believer, which is something that will never end until this life hereafter. If we are in Christ, we seek to turn away from all sinful passions and not to follow Christ, growing in love for what is good and growing in righteous hatred for what is sinful and evil. Not only loving and hating such things, but abstaining from doing evil and having an increase for doing what is, that which is good out of faith and devotion to God. While these things are not what bring us to heaven, it is the outflow of a new heart. Now, with this in the forefront of our minds, let us read the coming verses. Because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. It holds true that Paul is in an unfavorable circumstance when viewed in the eyes of the world, as he is in jail, but God has him right where he wants him. I cannot say I know the mind of God, but I do believe he's using this for Paul's own spiritual edification, that Paul may look unto Christ all the more, and as his sole hope amidst the troubling storms which he is experiencing. We can see God's work in Paul made manifest in his, in his statement, as it is by God's grace accomplished through the means such as this that Paul is able to recognize that regardless of his own worldly circumstance, his position before God has not changed. As he says, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. Whether you are in, whether, whether you are malnourished or poor, wealthy or free, God's grace is for all who would trust in Christ as their Savior. We may also learn much when Paul mentions his defense confirmation, his defense and confirmation of the gospel. The Christian road is not an easy one, as it is called the narrow gate for a reason. We see our Lord say this in Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are, sorry, and those who enter by it are many. When trials and persecutions come, we must stand firm on the rock, that is our God, and not bend the knee to our own wicked hearts, nor Caesar. Shall we be swept away while standing in sinking sand? If this is in fact where we are standing, then it most certainly will happen. But if you are standing on the rock, our God, who is the firmest of foundations, you will not budge. For Christ says in Matthew 5, 10-12, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. So, so, for so they persecuted the prophets they were who were before you. End quote. Let us not be so quickly forgetting what was previously said. Why is Paul saying this? Well, let's reread six to seven, and I am sure of this: that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my hearts, for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. 
Paul is saying that he is sure of their salvation and future preservation because they are presumably saved, for they are partakers with him of grace. We are able to see the outflow of God's grace. Uh, sorry, we are able to see the outflow of God's God's use of sanctifying of the sanctifying work of the Spirit within Paul by his coming statement, which says, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affections of Christ Jesus. God has used Paul's imprisonment for the purpose of growing him in devotion and love to the things of God and to God. We may learn what loving God and the things of God look like. When he says, How I yearn for you with the affections of Christ Jesus, what a great, what an immense claim. Think about what the effects of Christ Jesus are. He whom died for his undeserving creation and was subject to the torments of it, out of love that his elect would be saved, the infinite God Almighty, taking on flesh and lowering himself to such a level. And Paul says that he loves his brothers and sisters in the faith, as Christ has loved him. And what is this love? It is a sacrificial love, that they may serve his brother that he may serve his brothers and sisters, and they him. That this is not just to be done as an obligation before God, but that his love is genuine, that he actually, to the extent of his humanity, is able love his brothers and sisters as Christ has loved him. Let us not ignore the initial statement which was made, for he says, For God is my witness. Oh, what a tragedy it would be if this were merely an external love. For if God is truly his witness, what would it be like if he were to be found lying? What terrible judgments would await such a man? Truly he is not, for this is inspired scripture. But then, let me ask this. Do we love each other the same way as is being expressed here? Is our own is the is our love for not just the body of Christ, but also for the individual relationships found within the body true? Is this statement true for us, friends? I'm gonna take a sip of water. Excuse me. For Paul, we continue. As it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent. From Paul's yearning for them to a prayer that they may grow in love, and in, and in growing in love for God, there is an increase in knowledge and discernment. Paul's yearning for them is properly expressed in prayer for the Philippians, that it show, sorry, that is to show he truly cares for them in that he is spending the necessary time to communicate with the intercessor Christ and ask the Lord Almighty to grow his children. So then we must do the same. Seek to pray for your brothers and sisters, and not only seek, but find. Do so with care, that they may grow in knowledge and devotion to Christ our Lord. Although he is not although, although it is not expressed here, in this passage of scripture, we may we must also pray for those whom we dislike in the body, not only to pray for them, but also make amends to reconstruct any broken bonds that have been created due to our sin. We read this in Ephesians 4, uh, verses 1 to 5. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your call, worthy of the calling which you have been called. 
with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager, maintain, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called from the hope, just, just as you were called to the hope, to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all and in all we may observe a very clear and tangible definition of love in verse 9 your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment love in our day has been so corrupted to mean horrible things calling acts of debauchery harmony and associating that which is evil with that which is good calling wrong right and right wrong no the word of god says otherwise showing love is not exclusively a sensual thing nor is it putting on a smile and sacrificing truth for false unity. It is also not solely feeling emotion spurred on by a moment of ecstasy, seeking a spiritual high. While emotion may be the outflow of true love, it is not the contingent factor. No, as is being expressed in this verse, abounding in love for Christ is accomplished by a desire to grow in knowledge and discernment. Knowing more about Scripture, as Scripture is the main means by which God communicates with us, with the other being, um, sorry, with the other being the creation itself. Sorry, my dad came in; he distracted me. Uh, where was I? Sorry, and discernment that accompanies knowledge, discerning false teaching from orthodox teaching, which is from scripture, not only false teaching, but also our own hearts, seeking to weed out, our, out sin in our own lives, which is done so by scripture, guided by the spirit. True love is accomplished by growing in knowledge and discernment. We move on. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This shows us what it looks like to grow in love and the results of it, that we may be blameless, filled with righteousness. These things are only possible by God's grace, as they are through Jesus Christ. Do not mishear Paul. He is not saying that we may attain perfection well on earth. That would be to ignore a fallen nature. Paul is saying that we are to progressively grow in holiness and be conformed to the image of Christ. This is a process called sanctification, mortifying our sin and loving, doing that which is good. Growing in Christ produces fruit and is demonstrated by righteousness. This is not a righteousness that saves us from damnation, but it is a righteousness which is produced by faith, a true turning unto God, and a repentant heart. This call to grow in holiness is not only from the Philippian church, but is also for us. We may seek, to, we must seek after Christ. We must honor him with our bodies, time, and thoughts. Oh, how, how do we treat our brothers? How do we treat our sisters? How do we treat our parents? And how do we treat our local church body? He exclaims, to the glory and praise of God. These things which we do are not to be out of selfish ambition, but rather they are for the glory and praise of our Lord, that we may strive for the upward call of God in our own work, life, speech, families, churches, that all that we do may be for the purpose of spreading the gospel and making all that we do our ministry. 
We may not preach the gospel every day while at work or seek to witness to someone directly every single time, but rather the reason why we do these things is for the glory of God, that we may be in accordance with his created order. You must be salt and light on the earth, lest we be trodden down upon by God, whom will judge those of false profession. But fear not, for if you are a new creation, these things should cause you to rejoice in the Lord. And if you are see neglect in your life, a disconnect of your Christianity in personal, public, or work life, then I invite you to repent and make amends with our Creator through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, with that, that's the end of the study. Um, I will pray, and then uh, feel free to type any questions in Bible chat or raise your hand. Lord, thank you for um, this time. Lord, I pray that the words I have said, but more importantly, your scripture may cause people to come to you, Lord, and seek to either repent, Lord, or to rejoice in you, Father. I pray that we all may turn all the more to Christ, Lord, even if we already are in Christ. I pray that we may can help continually conform our lives to you, O oh Father. Lord, I pray that... Um, that we may not be neglectful in our own local churches, but that we may seek to help build our own church, Lord, um, and not be neglectful in that aspect of my life, Lord. For I know for myself, uh, I have been neglectful, Lord. Lord, I pray that you may continually cause us to look unto you, Lord, and may we search your word for you, Lord. In Christ's name I pray, amen. All right. So that is that. Any questions, like I said, Bible study chat or raise your hand and Gustin will bring you up here. Water. Also, there was a question. Uh, do you... Do you do you went to Bible school or do you do did study by yourself? Uh, just study by myself. Um, I haven't never been to education regarding um any Bible schools or anything like that. Um, the uh, yeah, I haven't been to any education. I've watched a lot of stuff on YouTube. Um. I've read my Bible, and I've read some books that have been recommended to me by people who have been to school. Um, watch a lot of debates, but that's kind of it. Also, the server has helped me a lot, but that's enough about me. Um, could you repeat the section where you said, true love is accomplished by knowledge and discernment, and maybe comment further on that? Um, the whole section? Or just the highlights kind of thing. Or summarize it. Highlights. All right. So uh, let me just go back to it here. So um, basically, I, I talked about uh, in this. I, I'll expand on it. But what I wrote down and what I preached. Um, I basically talked about how the first part was how we um, often redefine love to have it 
Oh no. Did I say something wrong, Gustin? His internet went bye-bye for a second. Am I back? Yes? What did you hear? Just start over? <laughs> the whole thing? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, from the top. All right. Um, so, basically, the first part... Uh, I basically said nowadays we like to have emotion to be um, what defines love, like our own personal feelings. Uh, for example, like I just don't feel like that's right or uh, I'm with this guy because I like him in a sense that you only feel emotion towards him. Um, people who've been married for 50 plus years, <laughs> if you were to base your entire idea around staying with that person based on how you feel you i don't think you guys would make it 50 years <laughs> you see what i mean um and that's kind of what i meant and then also i touched about um how we uh love christ um i i basically said that loving christ our position with christ and the way we love christ is not based on our own uh how we feel um, if that were true, then you'd be saved 67 times over in a year. You see, that's kind of the idea I'm getting at. Um, but rather that those emotions are an outflow of knowledge. Um, that you are to know why you love something. And what's not just why, but um, that loving it also requires discernment. That's kind of the idea I... I think this verse is communicating. Um, if you want me to expand on that more, I can. Just let me know. Here's the verse exactly. Oh, I just leveled up. Excuse me. What is confirmation of the gospel? Does the gospel require... Well, are you satisfied with that, Chicken Mama? Or are you... Uh, chicken Mama, Chicken Mama? I don't remember. Chicks, Mom, Chicken Mama. Mommy. Yep, all right. Cool beans. Um, oh, more typing. All right. Uh, what is a confirm... What is... Confirma what is a confirmation of the gospel? Does the gospel require you to input... Input to be confirmed? Does the gospel require our input to be confirmed? No, the gospel is not contingent on us. Christ, it's contingent on Christ's work on the cross. Um, I think and he means confirmation of the gospel. He means he's confirming it by growing in holiness in the sense that there's evidence of God's grace within his life. Um, does that... I think that's what he means when he means confirmation of the gospel. I mean, we didn't really do a word study in confirmation of the gospel, but uh, I think if you were to say that us preaching the gospel is confirming the, that the gospel is true, or is the only thing that confirms the gospel is true, it would be to ignore a whole lot of other scripture. Going for the gold question. Oh yeah, definitely.
parents came in like twice, they're probably going to get mad at me or something. <sighs> what is the fruit of the gospel? How do we get the fruit? I want the fruit. Goose, are you asking serious questions or are you just being a silly goose? Banana? <laughs> Both? Okay. Do you want me to... But I know the answer, but... Oh, you're just asking to test my knowledge? I need to put you on the spot. Okay, might as well. Um, <laughs> this will be the last out of your questions unless you develop an actual question that you don't know the answer to and maybe I could help you with. Um, <laughs> one more after this. Okay, <laughs> I gotta have dinner, man. Okay, fine. Um, what is the confirmation of the gospel? Or no, your new question was, what is the fruit? What is fruit of the gospel? How do we get the fruit? Um, fruit of the gospel is basically what proceeds from it. So faith is faith um, comes after a new heart, and then through the new heart, you desire to uh, you grow a you steadily grow a disliking for sin, and you steadily start to love the things of God as you are. Um, convicted by the Spirit and convicted by Scripture, which when you read Scripture is the Spirit that convicts you. Um, and in that, you are, uh, you basically conform to what Scripture says. Um, and then how do you get the fruit? You read your Bible and you pray. <laughs> and you have to actually be saved. <laughs> Being fruit should be an outflow of new uh, of of your salvation. It should be evidence in your life, type of thing. And you got to go to the grocery store. <laughs> Loads of fruit there. Yeah. All right. Last one is the act of sanctification and or a monergistic or synergistic act. Um, by monergistic, do you mean, uh, and synergistic, do you mean, uh, monergistic in the sense that it would be only us doing it and synergistic in the sense that it's us and the spirit doing it? Or do you mean monergistic in the sense that it's only God doing it and we're just, uh, I don't like, uh, could you clarify a bit more? that why you wanted one more so you could use the big words uh uh both sides only us or both us and the spirit are or only the spirit okay um uh i don't feel comfortable i i could probably try and give an answer but i don't know if i'd be right so i don't want to give an answer that i don't know whether or not is true You probably know the answer since you're asking it. Do you know the answer? If you do, feel free to come up. Kind of. Yeah, would you be comfortable saying it up here? Goo man. I know what Josh said. <laughs> so, so true, man. So, so true. Um. Okay, well. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the answer, and you maybe know the answer. 
do you know the answer enough to repeat what Josh said? Because I'm not going to ask you any questions about it. I don't think, at least. So, I think this one, this question has some contention with different types of people. I would lean more towards monergistic, the side of only the spirit, in the same manner that in salvation, we, you know, confess faith and we repent and things like that. But it's still, it's still like by God's work. We're not, we're not synergistic in our salvation. And I don't think that changes into our sanctification, nor does it change in our glorification. But that's the short answer. I just wanted to throw some big words at you that I feel like... I knew you, I knew that was why you just wanted to throw big words. I, you know, I almost couldn't read the first one. <laughs> well, you did good. Monergistic and synergistic. Those are, those are the two words. I will, yeah, I will leave now. I think, okay. And I won't give my opinion because I haven't read it. So there's that. All right, so I think that'll be the end of the study. Um, I've prayed, we've done questions, and uh, Gustin, unless you want me to do the closing out thing, um, and okay, I'm back up here. Okay, <laughs> do you want to do the closing thing? Uh, sure. Uh, let me, let me, let me close it. We are officially done.